Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Jeff Lemire. Jeff is the award-winning New York Times bestselling author of such graphic novels as Essex County, Sweet Tooth, Underwater Welder, as well as co-creator of Descender with Dustin Lin, Black Hammer with Dean Ormston, Gideon Falls with Andrea Sorrentino, and many others. Many of Jeff's books are in active development for film or TV, including Essex County, Underwater Welder, Plutona, Gideon Falls, Descender, Family Tree, and the Black Hammer Universe at Legendary Entertainment, with Jeff attached as screenwriter and executive producer. Jeff's Sweet Tooth is currently being adapted into a Netflix series produced by Robert Downey Jr., set to be released in early 2021. Jeff, that is a very, very impressive resume. We are honored to have you on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. My first question is always, where are you in the world right now? So tell us, obviously, I know quarantine is going on right now. Where is home for you? I'm in Toronto, Canada. Yeah, I've been, I've lived here for, um, geez, I don't know, since 95. So yeah, quite a while. Most of my life I've been here really. So, Before we talk process, I would love to hear about your origin story. So tell us, did you always want to be a writer? What was your career trajectory leading up to this point? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Canada and rural Canada in a really small farming community. My dad was a farmer and, um, you know, most of my uncles and media family were all farmers, which is something I never really had any interest in pursuing. I was always, uh, I got into comics really young, you know. Um, I don't remember what age I got my first comic, but probably was like five, six years old. I started getting comics and for whatever reason, was always, uh, drawn to them right away and it just sort of obsessed with drawing them and copying pictures from them and everything so that's kind of i spent my childhood sort of holed up in my room drawing comics and and stuff and making up stories in my head and you know growing up in a small town like that you don't really have any support group for a life as a writer or in the arts or anything like that so it didn't really seem like a realistic sort of life path for me to try to forge a career in the arts in any way, let alone be a writer or a cartoonist. So I just didn't know anyone who, you know, they were all factory workers and farmers and there was just no one really to look to for that path, you know? And um, so I never really thought it was a realistic sort of career for me. I always loved telling stories. And when I finished high school, you know, I was kind of motivated by two things. One, to try to find some kind of a way to express myself creatively you know i'd always drawn and painted and told stories so i wanted to pursue that but also i wanted to get away from <laughs> the small town i lived in and sort of see a, see a little more of the world so i kind of wanted to move to a city and you know i looked at options that i had that were realistic and toronto was the biggest city close to me and there was a film program in toronto that i could apply to and at the time this is mid-90s sort of the film industry here in Canada was booming where a lot of American productions were coming up here to shoot because of tax credits and things. And so there was a real booming industry. And I thought, well, 
you know, this could be an interesting thing to pursue. I, I love movies. I love stories. Um, maybe somehow get involved in that. Um, so I went to school for film in Toronto throughout the nineties and in the more, and I, I learned a lot there, you know, about, about storytelling and about cinematography and about screenwriting and, and a lot of different things that I still use now. But the deeper I got into the four year program, the more I started to really miss drawing and, and comics and just saw that that was really how I wanted to tell my stories. You know, film was great, but it's so expensive and it, it's such a, it, it requires so many people to execute a story or, or your vision. You know, you have to have the crew and actors and all these things. Whereas with comics, you can sit down alone at a desk and do it yourself. And that seemed to suit my personality more and it seemed more in my control, you know? So I, at the end of the film program, I actually sort of started to take comics very seriously and kind of started spending most of my time doing that when I should have been <laughs> doing school stuff. And when I graduated or when I finished the program right around 2000, I kind of just dedicated myself to comics full time. I just sort of fell back in love with the medium and started, you know, being in the city, there were better comic book stores. So I was exposed to a, a wider variety of comics and, you know, indie comics and, and uh, foreign comics. And just, you see, they saw the potential of the medium to really tell any kind of story. And I, I sort of just dedicated myself to learning the craft of, of cartooning and, and writing. And I took jobs in the city where, which kind of didn't use up any of my creative energy things that I could just sort of do and the schedule was flexible enough that it allowed me time to do my, my work on the side. And so I really worked, I worked in kitchens as a cook, a line cook for about a decade. And I, I'd work at night in the kitchens, which allowed me, if I got up early, it would allow me most of the day to work on my comics. And, you know, I, I did that for, I don't know, five or six years before I really published anything, just sort of making a lot of mistakes and trying different things and learning the craft of cartooning and drawing and storytelling and sort of finding the, my voice as a writer and the kinds of stories I like to tell. And, and then around, uh, I guess it would be 2005, I self-published my first graphic novel, sort of longer form work that kind of felt like I was, I was sort of starting to find my voice with that one. It was called Lost Dogs. And then from there, I went on to start working on the, the Essex County trilogy, which was sort of a, a look back at where I grew up, the farming community that I grew up in. And it follows sort of one family in that community across multiple generations. And so I worked on that for a couple of years and, and I found my first publisher top shelf for that in 2006. And it just, just never really looked back from there. Once I got my first book published, one project just always led to another and another. And here I am, you know, 15 years later with, with the resume that you listed off, you know, when we started. So it, I guess that's the origin story. You mentioned learning the craft of cartooning and writing. How did you go about setting out to do that? Is it just diving into it and trying and failing and continuing? Yeah, it's all self-taught. I mean, I didn't, I went to film school, so I didn't have any formal art training beyond high school art, you know, and even though I always drew, I just, and even though in, in Toronto at the time, there were probably a ton of, of young people my age doing comics and trying to, you know, make comics and that I probably could have connected with and learned things a lot faster, but I, for whatever reason, I didn't really connect with those people, and I was really kind of a, a solo, <laughs> solo endeavor. You know, I, I hang around with a lot of musicians and other people in the arts, but not really for whatever reason. I didn't connect with a lot of comics people, which is kind of ironic because now I know so many people here who, in my age, same age group and stuff, that we're all doing the same thing at the time. But for whatever reason, anyways. The long story short is, yeah, it was all self-taught and just really just doing it every day. 
really you know, anywhere, anywhere from six to eight hours a day where I would just sit down at the drawing table and try to do comics. And, and a lot of them were really bad and I made a lot of mistakes, but that's just how I, I kind of learned what tools to use and sort of all that trial and error of just telling different kinds of stories and failing at them before you start to find the ones that feel kind of felt kind of right and a little more honest. And so, yeah, there was a three or four or five years of just doing a lot of really bad work, but it was all that formative stuff you needed to go through to kind of learn that, make all the mistakes that you learn from and eventually led to the Essex County trilogy, which was sort of my first, the first book that really felt like I had something to say or, you know, I knew how I wanted to say it and kind of had a voice. As far as learning the craft, I would love to focus this episode on how to write a comic, how to write a graphic novel from Jeff Lemire's perspective. Does that sound good? <laughs> yeah, as much as I can. <laughs> There's never a master plan, unfortunately, but I can, I can certainly look back now and see the sort of the steps of that I, you know, the different sort of phases of my career and relay as much as I can from what I've learned. Yeah. The first question, we can start at the inception of an idea, maybe using Essex County as a good example. Where do you come up with an idea? Obviously, it was based on your past and where you came from, but where do you come up with the idea? What made you want to tell that story? Yeah, it's, you know, I get that. That's one of the more common questions you get as a writer or an artist of where the ideas come from for specific stories. And I could go almost go through all the books I've done. And the ideas always kind of came from really different places, you know, and you never really know what's going to start an idea that catches. And because the truth is, you have ideas, I have ideas all the time every day for things and I write them down or I, I kind of, you know, think about them, but a lot of them just sort of disappear and you never think about them again. <laughs> and then there's other things that for whatever reason, you get this little idea and it, it doesn't go away and it sort of builds on itself. And that can come from anything, you know, I, back when I was doing Essex County and uh, Sweet Tooth, kind of my first two bigger projects, I think they both probably came from sketchbooks, you know, for me, because I was such a visual thinker, especially back then, I put a lot more effort and energy into drawing and sketching and things like that than I did in the craft of writing when I started. I kind of came to writing as sort of a, a necessary part of the, the process where I wanted to draw and tell stories visually, and then the writing became a way to service that, you know? Whereas now, decades later, I approach it in a different way in which we can get to. But back then, I think it all started in sketchbooks where you just, you know, I'd warm up every day doodling stuff or just random crazy things that whatever kind of spontaneous things come to your mind just to warm up. And sometimes these little characters or images would kind of stick. And I know with Sweet Tooth, I, this idea for um, that book really came from sketchbooks where I started drawing this kid who had antlers and lived in the woods with his dad. And it really wasn't much more than that. You know, and, and then you just sort of build, start building a story around that drawing or that character that kept popping up. With Essex, I think it was more a more conscious effort on my part to, like I said, I grew up on a farm in a small town and I couldn't wait to leave when I was, you know, a teenager to see the world a bit more. But then when I got into my mid to late 20s and I'd been living in the city for a decade or whatever, you kind of have a perspective on where you grew up and on your family and on that stuff that you didn't have at the time. And, I started thinking about those things and just trying. It really, it really came from trying to do something that was honest. You know, I I had spent the first several years trying to tell stories that were really genre based things, you know, sci fi or horror things, kind of like the stuff I grew up reading that I loved. And that stuff's really fun, and I do a lot of it now. But I was having a hard time making it, finding my voice or 
those stories were all sort of me doing versions of other people's stories that I liked, you know, and I, I kind of, after a while I realized that and tried to think about, well, what's my story? You know? and so I literally kind of told the story of step back from all the genre stuff and, and, and trying to be like the people I admired and just told my story of where I grew up and the people I grew up with. And, and when I started doing that, I just found an honesty in the work and a, and a voice that I, I still hold on to now. Tell us about those first steps of actually executing on an idea. You mentioned that sometimes you have different ideas and some bubble to the top and some fade away. But when you decide on one and you choose to commit to that idea, what are you setting out for yourself daily to achieve? And what are the first steps? I imagine maybe there's an outline. Yeah. So it's kind of different because my career and my work now is sort of divided into two halves where there'll be the things that I draw myself, write and draw myself. And then there'll be stuff that I write for another artist or a collaborator, like with Descender or, or Black Hammer. So I approach both of those things very differently, obviously. You know, the stuff that I draw myself, it kind of follows the path I was outlining earlier, where I'll, I'll get an idea or a, an inkling for an idea, and I'll start sketching and drawing, and I come at it more visually and building off of that. Whereas the stuff that I'm writing for other people, I approach it much more, I guess, as a writer, you know, and not as an artist. So it will be more outlines and, and writing just writing down random ideas at first little ideas for scenes or characters they could be kind of kind of haphazard and not all of them fit but you just anything that kind of come you know you have a, a little inkling for an idea and anything that kind of comes to your head when you're thinking about that idea you kind of write it down at first and then uh you start to after a while you look at all these things you've written down and try to see which ones fit and which ones don't and you start to shape you know, a plot or a narrative around it. And, and it's just really going in passes for me, you know, in waves where I'll work on something, I'll write down everything I can think about or for that idea for a day, just kind of put it away for a couple of weeks or a month sometimes or a few months and then come back to it with a fresh sort of perspective and maybe more, more things to add to it. And I just kind of keep going over it in, in waves like that, trying to, more than anything, a lot of times it's trying to point out or identify what the problems with the story are or what, what the things you haven't figured out yet or the, the questions you have or like and, and kind of once you can identify what those problems or questions are then you're it's amazing how your subconscious sort of quickly gets to work solving them and you kind of go back to it and start answering all of those questions and as you're answering the questions you're sort of telling the story you know or building the world at least so yeah so when i i really it starts with outlines and those outlines get more and more detailed and depending what kind of story it is, if it's more of a genre thing, a sci-fi thing like Descender or a superhero thing like Black Hammer, there's a lot of world building that goes into it as well. Outside of just the plot and characters, you're building the world itself. So you start thinking about all, you know, start thinking about that and building all the different aspects of the, the worlds you're inhabiting and the stories and ideas come from that as well. They get added back into the plot. And yeah, I mean, I guess that's, Really, you know, a lot of times I'll get an idea for something that I kind of, for whatever reason, I'm attracted to. If it's, it could just be an image or a word or a couple words together that kind of evoke some kind of a story for me. And I'll hold on to that for a while, sometimes for a year or two, and kind of file it away thinking it could be something. But it usually isn't until you get an, a separate idea for something. It's usually when you get two ideas that aren't really working and you kind of put them together. Sometimes that's when they start working. So I find that's where the ideas really come from, where I have two different things I've been working on for a number of months that aren't really clicking. 
this, for some reason, you kind of think about putting those two things together and what that would look like, and you get a weird tension and a story starts happening. So a lot of times that happens as well, where you're kind of disparate things you're working on kind of join together into something a little more interesting. You mentioned character and plot. Would you say you lean either way towards one or the other? They're equally important to tell the story? I don't think they are. I mean, for me, it's always character and emotion is the thing that drive me and, and, and interest me, you know? So a plot is really only a vehicle to kind of express emotion or express the characters that I, that I kind of fall in love with, you know, and find ways to put them into situations that bring out the things about the characters that I love. So for me, it's always, all my stories start usually with a character or with sort of a couple characters and an emotional relationship between them. And that's what I build from. The plot stuff is, a lot of times you find the plot stuff can be pretty interchangeable, to be honest with you. The plot is just a vehicle, you know, to express the whatever emotion or, you know, sort of the deeper stuff you're getting at. So definitely plots never is important to me. I mean, obviously you want it to be interesting. And yeah, the plot stuff is never as interesting to me as the characters. And oftentimes, especially with some of the big genre stuff I do now, the world building and the plot is usually just a, almost like a backdrop for the character moments. I never really, I'm always very careful to keep that focus in my stories. As far as the script writing process itself, some writers use the Marvel method, some use the full script method. Do you have a method that you prefer? Yeah, I think I haven't looked at a lot of other comic book writers' scripts. Unlike screenwriting, there's not like one set format you know, industry-wide format that everyone uses so that everyone kind of does different things. But I would think my scripts are probably somewhere between the Marvel and the full script style in that I work out every page and every panel, you know, I break it up into pages and panels in moments. But my my art direction is pretty sparse. It's, uh, it's pretty light because I tend to work with artists that I, I've already worked with in the past and we have a good relationship. I find to get the best results in a collaboration, you got to give the artist the freedom to do their thing and do what they do well. So I don't try to impose too much on them in terms of visual direction or, you know, page layouts or, you know, things like that. I focus more on the sort of the timing and the dialogue obviously is important and um, the characterization and stuff like that. And, and my scripts tend to be pretty sparse and open and, and allow for a lot of freedom for, for the, the artists that I'm working with. Tell us about the relationship between a writer and an artist when you do work with an artist. At what point does that artist get involved? How heavily are you working with them from the early phases? And then once they start their work, how involved are you? Are you pretty hands-off? Or yeah, I'm very hands-off. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, at this point in my career, I'm kind of working with a group of people who I've kind of have a good relationship with and I've worked with for a number of years in the past. So there's a lot of trust between me and, and my collaborators and, and a lot of uh, familiarity, which allows us to kind of be more hands-off with each other. And, you know, usually the beginning of a project is where you're, you're communicating a lot more because you're building the world together and you're building the, what the characters look like and, and how, you know, their personalities and how they are, the way they're drawn need to reflect that. And so there's a lot more back and forth in the beginning stages when I'm outlining and building the story and they're sort of finding it visually. But once we actually get into doing the issues, you know, the comics themselves and month in and month out, it tends to be pretty hands-off where, you know, I, I'll write my scripts and 
and I just let them do it. And, and I don't really give notes or, or anything like that. Yeah, we don't, there's not a lot of back and forth. There's not a huge amount of like communication, honestly, between us after that point. A lot of that comes earlier on when you're developing stuff and building it. Once you've got that stuff set and you're, you're down to actually telling the story, we're both just kind of rolling and I do my thing and they do theirs. And yeah, the communication's pretty light at that point. We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience Podcast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city, while our producer Harry, who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash writerexperience. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash writerexperience for your free audiobook. What's your favorite film of all time? It might be a sophisticated classic, a childhood favorite, or an enjoyable pile of trash you just can't help but watch over and over again. The Pick of the Flicks podcast, hosted by me, Tom Beasley, is all about celebrating people's favorite movies in whatever form they take. Each week, I interview a different guest about their chosen favourite, whether I agree with their choice or think they're as mad as one of Tom Hardy's accents. So tune in to Pick of the Flicks every week on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network and subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Maybe your favourite film will be next. Hi, I'm George. And I'm Sam. And we're from the That's a Classic podcast on the Flickering Myth Network. We both bring three films each from a certain genre and we battle it out to find out which is the ultimate classic. So you can listen to us on Flickr and Myth, iTunes or Spotify. Check out what classic we choose every week. What about the editor? I imagine there's an editor involved. What is your relationship with the editor? What do those notes look like? Yeah, well, you know, early in my career, I worked a lot for Marvel and DC Comics, kind of earning my my chops and and, and kind of learning the craft of writing for other artists and, and things. and. The editors were quite, you know, some editors are very involved and very hands-on and can be a problem, to be honest with you, because they tend to want to write themselves. And, and then you get other editors who are super hands-off and supportive, and they've, you know, hired you to, to be you, and they let you do your thing. And if you run into a problem or need someone to bounce ideas off of, they're there, and those are usually the best editors. So I've, you know, I've really run the gamut of all different kinds of editors back then and they can be a hindrance or help just really on a case-to-case basis a book-to-book case it's really different obviously i like the lighter approach you know i like more freedom to be able to do my thing and but now you know in the last several years i'm mostly doing creator own books that i create myself with the artist and we don't really have editors at this point we kind of do it ourselves i work with uh, longtime vertigo editor will dennis who's now freelance so Will's there as a support system, but he doesn't really get involved creatively in my books. You know, that was sort of the agreement early on that I, I didn't really want or need that. If I need someone to bounce an idea off, he's always there, but he's, he's more there to help facilitate the process of coordinating everything and schedules and all that stuff. So creatively, I don't, I prefer to fly solo <laughs> like I did when I was starting, you know, just doing indie comics on my own and stuff. I'm kind of back to that now and I, I prefer it, to be honest. I have several bonus questions, so I have one more question before we dive into those. You've obviously done a lot. You're very prolific and accomplished. What's next for you and what's your end goal? Obviously, you've got a lot going on right now, but what are the milestones that you hope to achieve over the next few years? 
Oh boy. That's hard to answer. You know, I, I mean, honestly, when I, when I first started making comics in the early two thousands, I never in a million years thought I'd get to do all the stuff I've done in my career and work with the kind of people I've worked with and publish as many books as I have and been able to tell all the stories I've told. So I've kind of ticked all the boxes of my dream career already. So sometimes it's hard now to to think of new milestones, as you say, things you're working towards, you know, because I've kind of done a lot of the stuff. So really, it's just a matter of choosing projects that I, I really want to do now and just passionate about it. I guess I'm lucky enough to be in a position now where I can kind of do that. I can pick and choose the books I want to do and, and do stuff I really believe in. And I don't have to do work just to do it anymore, just for money or whatever. So, I mean, that's what I always, that's what you always kind of dream of is having that kind of a career where you can do your own stories on your own terms and make a good living doing it. So that's where I'm at. And I'm just kind of enjoying that. and want to keep it, <laughs> keep it going as long as I can really, you know, and there's no real end goal. I think I just want to make comics for the rest of my life and want to spend however much time I have left telling stories. So that's what I'm going to do, you know, and I just, I don't really think too much beyond that, to be honest. I'm just enjoying what I'm doing and I don't have any huge sort of things I'm striving for that I'm not already doing. Jeff, are you ready for what we call a series of seemingly random questions? I don't know, but we'll find out, won't we? (laughs) (laughs) The first few questions were actually provided by a friend, comic writer Julio Anta, who was a fan of yours and really wanted to offer up some of his own questions. So these are his. The first one being, you're obviously a very prolific writer. We'd love to know about what your daily schedule looks like. What do you do every day? And how do you manage so many projects at once? Yeah, you know, it's funny. When I first started doing comics, you know, when I was talking about my origin story, you know, I would really just work on one thing at a time and kind of get tunnel vision on one project and sort of become obsessed with whatever it was that I was doing. And that worked well for me up to a point. And then when I started uh, working in more sort of working for bigger publishers and things, I had more opportunities to do multiple books. And especially when I started, what really changed for me was that I could do the stuff that I was writing and drawing myself. You can, when you're doing that, you can really only do one book at a time because drawing a comic is just so labor intensive. and It takes so much time to draw a comic that you really can only work on one project at a time. But when I kind of almost created this second career for myself where I was also writing for other artists, it opened up this, the potential for me to do multiple books at a time. And at first, that was hard to juggle that. You know, I was drawing um, Sweet Tooth at the time, you know, 2010 or so. And that was a monthly comic that I was writing and drawing. And it's obviously a big commitment to do that. And then I started writing stuff for DC. And for the first year or so, it was a real struggle balancing that stuff. Then I kind of, for some, something kind of happened around that time. It sort of clicked where I, I just got into a rhythm of balancing the stuff I was drawing with the writing stuff. And I started doing more and more books and, and, uh, and enjoying doing more and more projects where I could bounce between things. And it kind of kept everything fresh and it sort of generated more energy and excitement for each project in a weird way when you're bouncing different ideas off each other. And so in terms of my schedule, I really do like to jump between things and keep everything fresh. So, but the only way I'm a lot, I can really do that now is if I'm really, really far ahead of my artists on all the books, which allows me to, allows me the, the benefit of working on books for a little while and then putting them aside for a little while to work on other things. So I, 
I try to stay a good six months to a year ahead of all my artists. And then what that means is I can really work on one project at a time. So I've just used, say, uh, you know, Gideon Falls as an example. I'll maybe for like two or three weeks, I'll just work almost completely on Gideon Falls stuff. And I'll just maybe write three or four issues of that in that time and get down all the ideas and all the energy I have for that story on the page and kind of burn out on it. And then I'm so far ahead that I can then put it away for another six months or something and work on another book. And I kind of stagger them like that so that I'm only ever working on the project or the book that I'm most excited about and I have the most sort of energy for at one time. And then, of course, I'm juggling that with whatever I'm drawing as well. So I kind of balance my week. You know, my Monday to Friday is mostly drawing, to be honest, because it takes so much to draw something. So usually four days out of the week, I'm drawing, you know, eight hours a day or whatever. And then I'll take one day each week just to write. And I can usually write a full script in a day. So so that's sort of my schedule where I'll, I'll, I'll usually pencil and ink about five pages a week of whatever I'm drawing and then write one script. And that allows you to do a 20-page book and four or five scripts every month when you stick to that schedule. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what I I'm, I'm very disciplined, obviously, in my, in my schedule and sort of the time I put in at the studio. It's always the same hours every day. And, I stick to a pretty, pretty strict sort of schedule. It kind of, I've always sort of just, just functioned well that way. Where I, I need a lot of structure. It kind of, I like that. Tell us what it's like revisiting so much past work lately. You've got the Essex County TV show upcoming Sweet Tooth series that was just announced, and the expanded Royal City edition that comes out later this year. Walk us through what it feels like to revisit so much past work. Yeah, it's interesting. You know what? I kind of was on a treadmill there for a good decade where I was just pumping out one project after another and, and always onto the next thing and excited about the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And that's good up to a point. You know, when I finished a book, whatever it was, I never looked back at it. I never thought about it again. I never looked at it. I never reread any of my old books or anything. You know, I just was always on to whatever the next thing was and, and absorbed in that. And then a weird thing happened recently where this, you know, the Essex County TV show kind of became a real thing. And I started working on that as a writer. And, you know, I it was sort of forced to revisit this project I had done a decade earlier and look at it from a new perspective. And I found that really kind of rewarding and interesting to, to really look back at something and, and kind of see it for what it was. And, and kind of, you know, when you're adapting it to a different medium now, it's television it's going to change anyway, but also just to kind of see how I, I would approach the same themes and the same characters, you know, now 15 years later was really interesting. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. And then I had like the a weird, weird, a similar experience with Sweet Tooth where I got to be on set for the shooting of the, the television pilot. And, and you're seeing the excitement and the, that all these, all the different people working on the show had for the story and for the world. And I'd kind of almost forgotten, you know, I'd done that book. A decade ago and, and put so much into it that I was exhausted by the time I finished it, you know. But then to see all these people so excited about the world and the story and the characters, it kind of reignited my passion for it as well. So those were two projects where suddenly I found myself thinking about both of those worlds a lot and uh, and revisiting them, you know, and literally with Essex where I was adapting it. And then with Sweet Tooth, I, I kind of was trying to think of ways to get back to the world and, and do a new comic. And it finally came up with an idea recently that I liked. So now I'm kind of diving into that again. And I found it really rewarding to kind of go back and, and look at your old work and look at the mistakes and, and the good things about it and kind of 
explore it again, you know, at a different point in your life from a different perspective. It was, it's interesting. As a showrunner for Essex County, how is that different from, you know, when you're working on a singular vision on your own, moving on to running a writer's room? What are the yeah. main differences and challenges? Oh, it's really different. You know, I, with comics, you kind of sit down by yourself at a desk and you, you do the work for good or bad. And, and then a few months later, it's usually out on the stands, you know, as a book. Whereas TV moves so much slower where you, you write and write and write and then you rewrite and rewrite. And it's been three years of that now before we've, we start filming anything, you know. So it's just, it's just such a, a longer process, a more collaborative process where more people are involved. Obviously, there's a writer's room. And so it's really the immediacy of comics is something I appreciate even more now, to be honest, after going through this with Essex. And, and sort of that, that immediacy of getting your vision down on, on the page and, and giving it directly to the reader. Learning to do have that same sort of control and the same sort of influence on the final product for television is something I'm learning, obviously, on the fly here and how to do that. And hopefully we'll succeed. But it's really made me appreciate the, the immediacy of comics and, and your almost direct connection to the reader that the artist and writer will have. You've mentioned David Lynch being one of your inspirations before. Can you tell us about your relationship with David Lynch as far as his inspiration on your works? Is it David Lynch specifically, Twin Peaks? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, you know, when I was, uh, when I was 14 or 15, Twin Peaks came on television. And it was just, I mean, I don't know how old you guys are, but at the time, you know, this, this sort of golden age of television we have now with all these incredible TV series and all the different cable networks. That, this was a, before all of that, where network television was really formulaic and, and stale, really. And then Twin Peaks came on, and it was just just this this singular vision all of a sudden on on network television and as a young person seeing it it just completely blew my mind and it was kind of the first time i had seen i'd certainly seen it in comics where you uh in comics you know the artists and writers their voices come right through onto the page you know like i was saying the immediacy where the the different artists drawing styles are instantly recognizable in a con of comics page and you know, an artist's style is almost like their handwriting. It's so personal. Every artist draws things different ways, and you, you sort of appreciate that sort of uh, that aspect of comics. But on television and film, I'd never really seen that where one person's voice was just so clear in every frame of the of the show, the way Lynch's was on Twin Peaks with his sound design and his music. And when you saw, you know, a minute of that show, you knew it was him. His fingerprints were all over it, and this sort of that auteur kind of voice that he brought to television was it really blew my mind and then i got you know obviously got into all of his films uh, as a teenager and so when he when i say he's a big influence on on my work it's not so much that i try to emulate his style or his way of telling a story or anything like that but just i just love that he he had a voice and he has uh the kinds of stories he likes to tell and he, he he's so true to that voice and everything he does so I think that's what inspired me the most, just um, seeing an artist who is so in control of their, their voice and their, their style and their, their way of telling stories. My next bonus question is, if you could take any writer, living or dead, to any fast food restaurant, which writer would you choose, which restaurant and why? What writer would I want to spend time with, I guess, is really what you're asking. And uh, that's tough. I mean, there's, a, there's so many I would love to sit down with. In terms of comics, you know, I... I Alan Moore was always the biggest influence on on me as a 
young person, you know, I grew up in the eighties. So, you know, he was at his, the height of his powers then and, and putting out so many incredible books every year that, you know, he was a huge influence on me and my whole generation of creators. Yeah. You know, I don't know. He's, he's sort of like the most iconic kind of one for me, but one I revere the most, you know, I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of my heroes in comics and spend time with them and get to know them as peers, you know, so I've kind of got to have those those dinners with with my heroes, you know, and they're they're always really cool. But yeah, I guess you know Alan Moore would be the one I'd, I'd love to to get to know or spend time with, you know. But uh, I don't know if I do it at a fast food restaurant per se. If you had to choose one piece of advice or learning from your career that you'd like to pass along to those writers listening, yeah, you know, I mean, you get little things along the way that help you, but certain things stick with you and. I remember when I was first starting out trying to do comics, you know, my drawing style is obviously very idiosyncratic and, and specific and um, it's not everyone's cup of tea, you know, and I get that. But when I was first starting out, I was kind of disheartened because the way I drew wasn't really, it didn't look like mainstream comics, you know, and I thought, well, I'll never, I'll never make a living doing this. I'll never, I'll never, um, you know, succeed drawing the way I draw because I don't draw in a commercial style or whatever. And I remember showing my work to a few professionals at the time. And it was actually John Toddlebin, who was an inker and artist on the Swamp Thing comics that Alan Moore did, as well as many other projects. But that was where I knew him from the most. Uh, I somehow, in the early 2000s, got his email address. I don't even know how. It was available online. And, and I was just sort of sending my work out to any professionals I could find asking for advice or whatever you know and he was so generous in his response to me at the time i think i expressed you know my my style not being really commercial or whatever and and his advice to me was just do the things you like to do because if you enjoy doing it chances are someone else is going to enjoy reading it and it's such a simple thing but i it, it just was the thing that stuck in my head whenever i sort of doubted myself or or doubted choices i was I could make as a creator, I just remembered, well, if I, if this is what I'm enjoying doing, or if this is what feels right, chances are someone else will respond to it, you know? And I, I never, and if I hadn't stuck to that, I probably never would have done Essex County or, or any of those things and been where I am. So I guess, yeah, that's, that's the piece of advice that sounds so simple, but it's, it's so hard to stick to. Just be true to your voice and yourself and don't try to be anyone else other than who you are. Just tell the stories that you can tell the way you can tell them. And if you enjoy doing it and you're honest about it, someone's going to respond. Well, thank you, Jeff. Really appreciate your honesty, insights, and time. We had a lot of fun learning from you today and hearing about your works and your process. So thank you so much for making the time. We know you're a very busy person working on a ton of projects. So yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.